Hello, everyone, and welcome to Radar Ears. Growing up, my parents told me I was nosy and asked too many questions. I'm like a radar ear. Well, now I'm nosy and I still ask too many questions, but I do it professionally. I'm so glad you're with me. Remember, we do have the ability for you to become a sustaining supporter with the link in the bio of each and every episode. I know this guest personally, so it makes it a little more, um, I don't want to say enjoyable, but personal. Today's guest is Larry Harris. Mr. Harris to me, saying Larry Harris sounds foreign. Um, he is an educator. He's a coach, a father, a husband, a grandfather, uh, soon to be great grandfather. And we are so thrilled to have him as our guest today. Welcome, Mr. Harris. Well, um, thank you, Ryan. It's uh, great to be with you. Yeah, it's a real honor to have you. I asked and i'm so uh honored that you accepted so graciously so thank you good to be here all right so let's just start at the beginning here because a lot of listeners know you but a majority of the listeners probably don't so tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from i'm from uh, oakland city indiana i uh, uh, lived here much of my life moved away a couple of times but this is uh i'm from gibson county what was it like growing up in a, and is this a small town? It's a town, uh, it's actually smaller than it was when I was growing up, but it's about 3000. That's I think it's actually a little less than that right now, but I was growing up, you know, I was a, a little guy in the fifties and right. uh, I remember it decently, but it's, uh, uh, certainly changed a lot since then. You know, one thing the town has. Uh, kind of faded away that there were very few businesses. And when I was growing up, there were, you know, the downtown area had uh, multiple uh, stores of all kinds of different types, uh, three or four restaurants, two movie theaters, and, uh, you know, three or four bars, uh, clothing stores, about anything you could, could want. Now there are only about two businesses. Yeah. It's, and I, Disclaimer here, I grew up in the same community, and he is uh, speaking facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what What about your mom and dad? What did they do for a living? How were they involved in your early years? You know, my mom um, and dad were George Harris and Ruth Harris. My, my dad worked uh, a long career at the post office. He had other jobs also, but he spent most of his uh, working days as uh, in the post office, my mom worked at a place in Princeton called Potter and Brumfield, and they made uh, relays, and she did work on those little bitty parts of of relays. But uh, that's my mom and dad. So you say you have a pretty typical 1950s childhood, so to speak. Oh, I think so. Yes, is you know so much of of life then was, and I just remember you know we went to to church every Sunday morning, again on Sunday night. We went to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. I went to Bible school, Sunday school, and, and that was actually quite a bit of, of our life at, at that time. Right, and you have a sister as well, correct? Yeah, I have a sister who's a, actually a little bit older than I am, and she now lives in a little bit bigger community of, of Newburgh, Indiana. Right. Did your... um father have was he a real presence in your life growing up oh he was a very strong presence in my life um he um he was such a, a strong man both physically and about any way you could think of it and uh, he uh i spent a lot of time with him spent a lot of time with my mother but my father was a tremendously strong influence in my life and continued to be and until he passed away at the age of 88 about 10 years ago you know a big part of your childhood and i know into your teenage years and beyond was basketball when did you for when, when do you first remember basketball well my uh, first memories of basketball my dad took me to a high school game when i was about i think i was uh eight or nine years old and um and i was just impressed with uh the action that occurred out there and we lived uh, right next to the uh, uh, elementary school playground and there was a basketball goal there 
And I, I would go over there and spend a lot of hours just shooting. And sometimes I might have some, some friends show up and we played together, but I spent hours just out there by myself shooting the basketball, playing imaginary games in my mind the way I think a lot of little guys did back then. And what, what pulled you towards it? I mean, there's so many things to do in the, I mean, what, what pulled you towards it that you just spent so much time out there? Something had to click with you. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know why I always liked sports. I liked, uh, baseball and, um, just anything that was, I liked, we lived right next to the golf course. Also, I liked, I enjoy, I just, sometimes the evening we go over on the golf course and just take off running. And I thought I was the fastest runner in the world But uh, uh, I just like things that were, were physical and involved a little bit of skill. And, uh, but, uh, the basketball one was the one that probably was my favorite. As you began to play in a more formal manner, um, but so you, what, what, what grade did you begin playing basketball fifth? Uh, no, we, had, at that time, the organized basketball didn't really start until the eighth grade. Wow. I played my first organized basketball um, as a seventh grader. I played on the eighth grade team, and that was my introduction to to team basketball. It's not like today, you know. They played uh, their opportunities for kids that that they start playing as early as as kindergarten, and and they're um, they played so many games before they ever even get to high school through all the various ways that they can do that. But, but at that, at that time, you can, that was the fifties and that, that's a long time ago, but, uh, there, there wasn't much school basketball until high school. Right. So to prepare for that, you just played a lot at this basketball goal by where you grew up right yeah and you know sometimes we would play i would play with some of my friends we would go to a court some you know at somebody's house and we would play together and that's that's even how i got to be on that eighth grade team some of the eighth graders stole the team they say hey, we've got a seventh grader who can play a little bit and uh, we ought to have you on the team so they asked me to play and i did that did your did your dad enjoy basketball playing? Did he play with you or was this more? You know, really my mom played more with me than my dad. See, my dad was, was gone more and he, he worked more, but my mom would go, uh, shoot the basketball with me. And she, she had played way back when at Mackey high school. And, uh, and she was actually talented. She could shoot the ball and, 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 and she's the one who really showed me more things than my dad in relation to basketball. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, she was she was a player. I mean, in a way, I guess it's too bad she grew up in the era she did because, gosh, I mean, the opportunities today would be so different. Well, I know. And when they played, she, uh, as I understand it, she played some in school. I don't think they played other schools, but they played the, the old style with three defensive players on one end and three offensive players on the other end. And, and the players didn't really run up and down the court. You either played offense or defense. So once you, um, got into high school, when did things really start to take off for you? Cause I know that there began to be some real success for you in the game of basketball. Well, I went to some, uh, some camps in junior high and, uh, I went to one in uh, Georgia and I went to one at uh, Taylor university in Upland, Indiana. And it seemed that I got a lot of uh, positive um, uh, feedback from some coaches and others that maybe I could become a basketball player. And then once I got into high school, I mean, you know, my freshman year, uh, I somehow was able to to start on the the varsity team as a freshman. I had a really good coach, a man by the name of Bob Reinhardt. Uh, who had played at Indiana University, and he was from Dale, Indiana, and uh, he got me started playing there in high school. And then um, when he left, I continued for the rest of my high school career with a man named Charlie Browser, who still lives in Oakland City, and, and he's been a, a major influence in my life and the lives of my daughters, who both played basketball also. Right. 
And the the coach you had for the first year, Mr. Reinhardt, what what influence did he have on you? Because I don't I I don't think I've ever heard that name. You know, he was just a, an absolutely great guy. He's he's the reason I went to um, camp in in Georgia because one of his good friends was Roger Kaiser, who'd been an All American in Georgia Tech, and together in the summer. They had a camp in Georgia, so I went down there, and it was really strange where it worked out with with Bob Reinhardt. He was relieved of his duties after my freshman year at Oakland City uh, High School, and uh, he went to Georgia and coached in Georgia for many years. He won three state championships at uh, the highest uh classification school that they have in Georgia and he later was the division one head coach and he even ended his career as an assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA so after his getting fired at Oakland City things turned out rather well for him yeah I think it ended okay (laughs) they did but I was very fortunate to have uh after Coach Reinhardt left, to have just a, a tremendous coach in Charles Browser. And he's still a, a, a friend to this day. I went to see him just about a, a week ago. And I know he's been an influence on so many people around here, including your father, Steve. Right. Yes, he, uh, he is bigger than life in Oakland City, that's for sure. He certainly is, no doubt about it. You know, you played throughout high school. You know, even me, I... You know, I wasn't born until the 80s, and I didn't go to Oakland City High School. I went to Memorial High School, and, you know, there's a lot of change. But even I had heard about this particular team that you were on. Would you like to tell us, because I know people listening, some will be from the community, some will not. But I know a lot of people have a lot of heartfelt memories and just real nostalgia for that team. Could you give us a little bit of info about that? Yeah, we were we were um, a team that um, we had both my freshman year and sophomore year a, a good year, but then we were uh, really fortunate that two young men from surrounding communities, Rick Smith, who had gone to Mackey High School his first two years, and Dane Smith, who had gone to Little Spurgeon High School, both moved to Oakland City in the summer before my junior year. And they both happened to be uh, either about 6'4 or 6'5. And together with Mark Duncan and Steve Nelson, the five of us, then my senior year, our our heights were, for, again, a small school, we were 6'5", 6'5", 6'4", 6'4", 6'3". And that's rather unusual for any high school team, but for in those days... Um, we had a six, five guard and, uh, we were basically all about the same size, but we had quite a year that, that senior year, my junior year, we had lost, we lost four games where 19 or my senior year, we went through the whole season playing a tough schedule undefeated and we won the sectional. And I'm still proud to this day to say the only game we lost was in the regional to the team that eventually went ahead and won the state championship that Evansville North Huskies led by um, a very good player, Bob Ford, and they beat us in a close game. And um, so that's the only game we lost during that senior year. Did having a, you know, game one win, game five win, game 10 win, and you're undefeated, did it, start to feel, did you feel pressure or was it like, I'm just going to, I know you were young, but did you think I'm just going to enjoy this? I'm not going to let the pressure or did you really think, oh my gosh, we, you know, we, we have a lot of expectations here. You know, really, I don't remember feeling pressure. I just remember really having fun playing and, and we at that time thought we were going to win every game and we did have a few, not many, but we had a few close games, but we, we came out on top, but I don't remember feeling terrible pressure. I was like a lot of high school guys. I was, I was interested in what I was going to do after the game and, and, right. uh, and all kinds of things. And I was just going day by day and enjoying the moment. Good. 
That's the way it should be. You know, those players you mentioned, you know, uh, Steve Nelson and Smith boys and uh, Duncan and so on yourself. What's the biggest lesson you learned being on that team? Well, I think, um, just a, a commitment of uh, friendship to one another was that, uh, we're all, you know, good friends to this day. I see some of them more often than, uh, than some of the others, but, uh, uh, I talked to, uh, to Dame and he's all the way out in, uh, Idaho, uh, oh, at least every week. And I, I talked to Steve Nelson and see him rather often talk to Rick Smith a lot. Uh, and I, I don't, I run into Mark Duncan occasionally, but I don't see him as much as I did, uh, uh, you know, years ago, but, um, I, I think we were just, uh, a really tight knit group group of friends who got along well. I don't think we had too many jealousies or, or, or problems, uh, among us. So a commitment, you'd say is a big, the big word. I think our, you know, we were all decent athletes and, uh, and decent competitors. And, and, uh, I think it was important for us to, um, to achieve something that we did and we actually wanted to achieve more. We, we thought we we're going to win the state right. uh, we, to a, a really good, uh, North team, you know, much bigger school and, uh, playing in uh, Robert stadium. Uh, I don't think really had that much impact on us, but, but they, uh, they beat us and, uh, and that was the end of the high school experience for basketball. So. You know, for, for athletes listening and, you know, your grandchildren or other people's grandchildren or athletes in general, you know, losing that game, that has to sting. It has to hurt. What's the way to walk away with, walk away from that and see the silver lining? Cause it, we were all disappointed, but we all had really high hopes for, um, our futures and we all had some plans in the works and. And really the, the sting of that, uh, I don't believe was just felt in a really painful way for a long time. Oh, today, if I, you know, I think about it, uh, maybe it, I, I, I think it could have been something different, but it didn't happen. And, um, uh, I think we moved on from that reasonably, reasonably quickly. You know, growing up, we hear this over and over, you know, there's no place for a sore loser. Yeah, that's that. And I, and I think the, you know, coaches we had, we, uh, you know, they didn't want us to enjoy losing, but they wanted us at that time, you know, you were supposed to play the game the right way and, and win the game the right way and lose the game the right way. And to make excuses or one way or another blame, um, you know, the circumstances on something or blame the refs or. Yeah, that, that just, that just wouldn't have been right. And I don't believe any of us did that. Right. And I know your coach wouldn't have, wouldn't have allowed that or put up with it. No, he would not put up with that. <laughs> he certainly wouldn't. No, he would not. He was, he, was, he has that reputation as a, as a, a fairly demanding man. Yes. I also, I mean, you're, you may not say, but I'm going to say you also for at that time held the scoring record in Gibson County. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn too much here by saying, well, I brought it up, so I'll toot it for, for, for 44 <laughs> years, for 44 years, I was the lead career scorer in Gibson County. And that was passed by, uh, a young man from Princeton. And I'm, I'm proud to say that, that that was then passed by, uh, my grandpa facts yeah. that I plan to see later in the evening. Yes. And, you know, one interesting piece of trivia there is you didn't have a three-point line. Uh, no. And we didn't play as many games either. But, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, but I'm, I am proud of holding that for, for 44 years. Yeah. That's amazing. Before we jump into other, other things here, what's your thought on class basketball? Cause you didn't play class basketball. No, we didn't. Uh, what's your you thoughts know, on that? I have mixed feelings. I, I can understand that, that it is this good for some smaller schools and that they have a chance 
to compete for championships and it and it gives them opportunities that they wouldn't have with the one class system but at the same time you can see some of the drawbacks through lower attendance and uh, and I, I it's just kind of hard to to put into words maybe but maybe the even the loss of some small towns and so on couldn't completely be attributed to the you know the class system of basketball certainly but uh, I, I think there you can make a case either way, but the class basketball is here to stay now. And, and, and you know, our school, Wood Memorial, has benefited from that, particularly on the girls' side by having won so many sectional championships and even even two semi-states and one state championship. Yeah, with your granddaughter. Uh, yes, my granddaughter, Chloe, was uh, a key part of uh, that 2017 girls' team. So if you were on a board voting yay or nay to keep it, how would you have voted back then? Back then, I would have... Back in 96. In 96? When they when that was being discussed, what would have been your vote? I think I probably would have, if I had actually had a vote, I would have voted for the class system because I think I would have, I hope I would have intelligently tried to to weigh, uh, you know, some of the other benefits other than just, uh, you know, like the glory of the small school with the, with the chance, of course, there's, there's the Milan example, but, um, you know, that was in the fifties too. So I think I would have voted for the class system. Okay. Was your, um, what was on the horizon after you left high school in terms of, you know, academics or athletics? Well, at that time, I I just thought I was going to play basketball forever, and I was fortunate. I, there are all kind. There are many places I could have continued my education with a a, a full ride scholarship for basketball, and I considered some reasonably big names. I I visited uh, at Georgia Tech and Indiana University, and Indiana State and the University of Illinois. And I had other places I could have visited that I did not, but I decided to go to the University of Illinois and the Big Ten, uh, a wonderful opportunity. I'm, I'm not proud of uh, my um, my stay there. The people were very good to me, and I have no excuses other than I didn't take advantage of my opportunities, and I didn't stay. And I, I came back to... Uh, very small Oakland City College then Oakland City University now, and I had a, a, a really enjoyable, good experience at Oakland City. But I, I did miss out on some chances that I'm not going to beat myself up terribly uh, for. I mean, as some of my friends have reminded me, things have worked out rather well for me. I, I met my wife. I have my daughters, my 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 grandkids, and. And I've enjoyed my 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 time here around Oakland City, so that's right. the way it worked out. So when you were at Illinois, did, did you play a season there, or what was the dynamic? Yeah, I played. Yeah, then uh, freshmen could not play on the varsity. That changed, I think, in oh, it might have been '73, or it might have even been later. But you know, that was 1967, the fall. Of 1967, so I, I uh, we had a freshman team that played a limited schedule, and we often played before the varsity game. I practiced with the varsity all the time in the the building where they still play today. It's now called, I think it's called State Farm Arena now. But then it was just Assembly Hall, but uh, I never did. Uh, play a varsity minute at the University of Illinois though. You know what I you know what I admire there is that you were just very straight up about the experience and this is what happened and I'm not gonna try to I think that's admirable. Well I have nobody to blame but but myself and I I uh, did not take advantage of what could have been a wonderful opportunity but but things have gone ahead from there and uh, I've uh, been very fortunate in many ways by the way things turned out. Absolutely. After finishing up at Oakland City, 
you you had met a wonderful woman and tell us how you two met well um i'll uh, the story is can be reasonably brief because i was i was with my friend matt die and i can i can sort of blame him in that there was a a, a dance spot that people around here would remember called Lamy's, and i went with him on a saturday night there uh he talked me into going i didn't really want to go and he wanted to dance with a girl, and he he said to me, "Why don't you dance with that that tall, thin one?" <laughs> and so I did dance with that tall, thin one, and she had a great answer for me that night. I liked her right away, and that was Saturday night. And I I said something to her like, after we had spent a, a, some time together that evening said, what about next Wednesday if I might drive over to see you? And her exact answer was, don't do me any big favors. And I just and I wasn't accustomed to hearing things like that. <laughs> so I did go see her that next Wednesday and uh, and I was in I was um, a student at Oakland City College then you know you know once the the uh, fall term started there. I, I think it was August when I actually met her. <laughs> but then we were married in the following following January, so I knew her only about five months before we were married. What again? Not did the, your parents were your parents um, like hold on, wait, what are you doing? Or were they just gung ho? No, we were crazy. Okay, <laughs> I was living in the dorm. She was a high school cheerleader, and we got this crazy idea that we were going to go over to Illinois and get married somehow. And I picked her up from cheerleader practice and we took off over there and we were going to keep it a secret, but, uh, she couldn't lie to her mom when we got back that night. And then her mom called my mom and, and we didn't even live together for and what, what were your parents reaction they were not happy with me at that <laughs> time no not the not the uh, the perfect uh, <laughs> way to go about uh, getting married but uh we're still together today things have worked out right and i know they adore her too uh yes yes uh, my uh both my mom and my dad uh, certainly grew to just absolutely um, adore cynthia yes and where did your wife grow up and what was kind of her early years like uh she grew up uh, outside owensville indiana actually near posey county and she attended owensville high school and uh you know she was a typical high school girl who was involved in all kinds of activities. She was a cheerleader, uh, but she was in band and orchestra and all kinds of different activities. And, and she, um, had to, had to stop all that after she got married to me back at, in those days, you didn't get married and continue in school. I mean, she finished, right. But and she eventually, you know, she now has, a, she got a college degree and a, a master's degree from Indiana State University. Right. So when once you were married, you were going into teaching, correct? Yeah, I was um, at at Oakland City College at that time. Uh, there weren't as many options. I you know I was playing basketball, and I uh, was either probably going to be a teacher or a minister going to Oakland City at that time, and uh, I knew some others who had gone into teaching and it just seemed to be kind of a natural progression and to go along with that, uh, you know, to coach. All right. You know, being married as long as you have, what do you think's the key to long marriage? Well, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, we had our 50th anniversary and I, you know, I had my little speech that night and I, I, I said, I didn't have any, you know, all the answers to that, but, uh, 
you know, certainly one of uh, commitment and just respect. And obviously there has to be an enduring love. And uh, I don't think we've ever spent a night apart because, you know, we had had an argument or something. And uh, I think we've been blessed in that regard. Right. So how long have you been married now? I, if we make it to January uh, <laughs> 9th, it'll be 55 years. Wow. Yeah. And your number one piece of advice is respect. I think so. And just, you have to, I think there are too many. I mean, I, I, I don't want to judge young people today, but I think there are too many young people I see that, oh, they have a, a couple of problems and, and it's not even all that severe and then they're suddenly oh let's um we ought to be separated and then let's get a divorce and yeah. it just, i'm from another it, generation and i agree with you and it just it seems to happen so often right i've been with my husband for 18 years almost 19 years yes um that's longer than most americans <laughs> oh it is you know it really is it, it certainly is. It's been that long as 18 years. Yeah, long time. And I just, um, I, I, you know, there are situations where it's called for. I understand that. Um, you know, any type, you know, abuse and just, you know, get scamming and terrible things. But I, you know, I'm, I'm much younger than you, but I do agree with you that some people, um, I think, jump the gun. I think so. I really do. But, you know, I have been doing, I'm, um, I have done a few, I've been the officiant at a few weddings, uh, recently. And I just got today, um, uh, a thank you card letter from a, a young couple whose wedding was, um, uh, in, um, October and they're such a, a wonderful young couple right now. And I'm so hopeful for them. I think she's 20, 29 and he's 36 something like that but i i told them during you know our meeting before the the marriage and even during the wedding that i didn't have all the answers but you you can't just on the first few problems and so on uh say that you can't get along all right i agree with you i agree you know we talked about meeting an athlete and um meeting your wife and then another important hat you wear is being a father can you tell us a little bit about that yeah i have uh have uh two daughters you know so you know when when cindy and i got married uh in the unusual circumstances that we did of course a lot of people assumed that cynthia must be pregnant <laughs> but that was that was not the case she that was typical that that had to happen well back. i know i preface there a little bit why, why are you saying that probably was why would why would this high school girl right. get married and and so on and throw away all she had with all her activities and everything? But that was 1969. In fact, our our first child didn't come along till 1972 during my first year of teaching at North Davies High School, and that young lady is is Nicole. Uh, many people call her Nikki. And, uh, she lives just two houses down. I think my wife just, uh, returned and she's been down there at, uh, our daughter Nikki's house and, uh, our other daughter then, uh, was born five years later and she is Haley. So I have two daughters, uh, Nicole and Haley. What's the best part of being a father? Oh, that's, oh, there are so many good good parts about being a father and you know and and really it it changes over the years also you know the initial thrill of just having a child uh was amazing i remember that i remember stopping to look at nikki on the way home i, I stopped on the highway with no traffic just to look at her more carefully and i was amazed i thought gosh that's my daughter and uh uh, but just to share the uh, experiences of, of growing up and seeing them, uh, you know, with the trials and tribulations of, of school and 
uh, relationships with friends and boys and and school and all that happens. Um, um, you know, it's it's a battle sometimes, and it's quite an experience. But I I, I couldn't say just a, a single aspect of it is is the best part of of, of all that. All right. I know both of your daughters, and they're both embracing of differences. Did you guys instill that in them? I believe we did. Both uh, my wife and I have had some strong feelings uh, uh, about uh, acceptance and about uh, uh, not judging others. And Cynthia was great about that. It, you know, if she ever heard one of them say something negative, about another person because he or she's a wealth fell in the blank, you know, right. or whatever it could be. She would uh, let them know right away that's not the way to be. All right. And where did you and your wife, where did you acquire that that attitude and that, that sensibility? Because you grew up in communities that that doesn't, I mean, everybody looked like you. Well, I know, you know, what I grew up with is, you know, I remember my first experiences at the, uh, going to the movie at the Princeton Theater, you know, it's a town about 12 miles away. Um, there, there was a section in the balcony uh, roped off and with an arrow pointing there, and it just said colored. And it was just the way it was, and everybody accepted that. And that lasted until the uh, of the late sixties, at least. Right. So, yeah, that's not uh, that's not the world I grew up in. So, where did you, know, you acquire that skill, or that should I say attitude? I don't know. I think it's just by living and observing, and maybe through education and reading and being around people. And uh, I mean, it's not only racially, but I observed. A, a lot of that, uh, of discrimination there. And uh, I remember in my time at uh, playing in college, we we stopped at a steakhouse in Louisville. And we were going to some school in Kentucky or Tennessee. And we I think we had three or four uh, African-American players on the team. And they couldn't go in the restaurant with us. Oh, my. And it took sack lunches back to them. And I knew that wasn't right. And that stuck with you. I mean, you're telling me that right now. What did you think back then? I thought it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. And can you imagine how they felt? Well, I know it's terrible. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, and some, some people think that you know, the years of segregation, oh, that was hundreds of years. You know, some of these young people think, oh, that was hundreds of years ago. No, I mean, you're sitting here right now talking to me about it. I know it. I observed it firsthand. Yes. Well, I'm glad that that, you know, helped shape your attitude with your children. Yeah, I think both my uh, both my daughters are about as, uh, I don't know, they... Uh, I don't think I've ever heard them say a word about anybody in relation to uh, uh, race, ethnicity, uh, gender. Uh, uh, we'll rattle off the, the list of other right. ones that people want to um, put us in these categories. I remember in the 70s, uh, a columnist that I liked was uh, a guy named Sidney Harris, obviously no relation to me, but he had a syndicated column and he had one simply entitled Our Kind, Your Kind. And it was about how some people view things as our kind good, your kind bad, and how, and just the utter uh, ridiculous nature of that, but it's ingrained in so many people. And you still see it today in, uh, in so many aspects of modern life, 2000, almost 24. Right. Do you, do you fear sometimes that we're as a society, we're, you know, taking steps backwards? No, I, I definitely do. Um, 
there is a bumper sticker on our our drink refrigerator in the uh, uh, in the garage that I I just notice every now and then. I think my wife stuck it on there, and it's we won't go back, but in some ways it seems we are going back. I haven't been. I mean, when I I taught English for forty years, I wasn't afraid to, uh, uh, you know, teach the novel, uh, the Adventures of Huck Finn, by Mark Twain. Um, but it has been on one of it's it's one book that's on a list that has actually been banned in some places, or at least questioned in some places, along with other other seemingly classic works like Shakespeare. Right. And we could just rattle off so many others. So I, and, and on that, that wasn't even done as much in the sixties and seventies as it has been in Indiana in the 2020s. Yeah. The last few years, and I know mothers for Liberty and other groups have really pushed for that. Oh, they have. And it has worked in some cases and in some, it hasn't worked. Right. My daughter, Nikki, is an English teacher now, and I think she's strong about it. She's, she's, you know, if somebody uh, wants to uh, question something, she would simply say, you don't have to read that. And that's what I did. But she's still going to teach Shakespeare. She's still going to take, uh, teach a separate piece. She's still going to teach The Great Gatsby. So... Um, but yeah, I think in some ways we have gone back. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anytime I hear censorship and book banning, that's a slippery slope. Oh, it is. It certainly is. You know, my, my wife brought up a, a good one to me today. She was a primarily a second grade teacher for 26 years. And one of her favorite books for the little second graders was, uh, uh, Charlotte's web by E.B. White. Mm-hmm. And she pointed out to me just today that, oh, there was a, another writer who had done the uh, forward to this one. And, and she was saying that when she was, uh, she at first had judged the book wrong because she had judged it by its uh, cover. And it showed the uh, little girl holding a pig and they both looked nervous. They both looked scared or something, and she didn't want to read it. But then she goes ahead to talk about how that, you know, just on examination of a book from its cover or the first couple of sentences, you don't get the whole idea, certainly. And even a book like Charlotte's Web has been challenged in some communities. That's absurd. It is absurd. It's about a, a female spider who, who basically saves the little pig. Right. I just don't see where anything could be questioned there. Well, I don't either. Uh, I don't either. Junior for a minute. How long did you coach? Oh, I taught for 40 years. I, I coached something probably for at least 30 of those years. But I was the boys' head coach only for eight years, and I coached football and baseball and and track also. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. What, All right. What is? And you have to pick one. What is your greatest memory coaching? Being a head coach. Well, I would have to say, um, I, I maybe it shouldn't all come down to the wins and losses. But, you know, against those bigger schools, we did win uh, three sectional championships out of five-year stretch there. And I think collectively, those those three would have to be. They were all just had some fine young men, and, um, and, and the community seemed just so, so absolutely thrilled by the victories. And I just uh, treasure those moments, yes. Right. And again, there was no class. No class. No, we were, in 1990, for example, we played uh, Princeton first. Uh, 
we would have been a single eight and they would have been a three a if the class had been there and then we played gibson southern same thing where they would have been three a we would have been single a and then we played played uh, mount vernon in the championship and they would have been a three a or a four a also so um uh, yeah we I, i'm proud that we beat some bigger schools do you think you know being a single a school do you think there's the same amount of school spirit there that there was when you were coaching you know when i i have been to many wooden wire events recently and i've been impressed with the, the school spirit they have and they have you know a lot of parental backing and you know the reality of it is that, that winning actually breeds that also. But even if the team is struggling, there seems to be some decent school spirit at, at many little schools right now. So I, I wouldn't say it's, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have, you know, every school to, to consider there. And I don't know about every bigger school. I have heard that even with some of those that there's not nearly as much as there used to be, but, but I'm not. Sometimes really, they'll, Sometimes there's as many people at the games where I teach as Wood Memorial. And I've heard that sometimes at some of the big. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. true. Since, since you've retired, what keeps you going? What, you know, a lot of people, you know, they retire, you know, there's this idea that, you know, oh, what am I going to do? Like, what is your wake up and do every day? What keeps you, what keeps that fire going in your belly? I still i'm you know whatever i'm in my 70s but i'm still interested in being reasonably uh physically fit so i normally get up in the morning and and do something in that regard i i did run for many years but i still and now i'm down to walking and lifting weights i don't really play basketball anymore play a little golf i don't play as much as some of my my friends but um that's that's a hard one to answer ryan i mean others have asked me you know i run into some person i i knew years ago and say well what are you what are you doing with all your time and um it seems i'm busy but still read quite a bit and right try, try to be involved in what's going on in the world by by at least knowing what's going on i don't know if you remember but i i used to be one i i know you can wear out the croak quotations but i always started class with a quotation i'm not the first one to ever do that but one of my favorite ones is simply i'm wide awake i'm not sleeping mm -hmm. and so i'm trying to be wide awake i'm trying to know what's going on in the world and and be aware of, of what's happening the good and the bad you know some people see this as like the third chapter of their life and you you seem like you're living it up to the best of your ability. Well, I am, uh, you know, it's, the, one factor with that is, I mean, even physically, the way she looks to me and a lot of people, my wife, Cynthia, doesn't seem to change. And if I'm going to halfway keep up with her, I better, I better be reasonably active myself. And, and she's just such a, uh, an energetic, uh, person who, is always in a in a positive frame of mind that she makes it tough for me to you know to be a, a downer too right i have to try to stay up with her a little bit <laughs> in closing here I, I ask a lot of my guests this um that i've had over the last you know six eight months here for a young person you know getting ready to you know, either graduate from college or trade school or, you know, leave high school for the workforce, you know, all these years that you've lived and all these experiences you've had, what's your biggest piece of advice to people to make the most of just a lifetime of opportunities ahead of them? What's your biggest piece of this life advice, I guess. I would try to tell them to do what my grandson, Paxton, who just recently graduated from, graduated from Indiana University, uh, has done it seems to me anyway he's he surely made mistakes but he had a plan and he had a dedication to it and he stayed with it and he had fun in college and he um, enjoyed the experience but he was certainly committed to um, 
his uh, reaching his goals, and he he graduated with a really good grade point average, and is now just about ready to start a, the next phase of his his life in in Chicago with a really good job. To to have a plan, to stay with it, and not be deterred when things don't go well, and and just be dedicated. Um, I think would be my advice. Perfect. Mr. Harris, Larry Harris, thank you for being my guest today. Well, thank you for um, allowing me to share some time with you, Ryan. And uh, I would uh, I congratulate you on uh, the work you've done and your your continuing work. And I'm confident that you'll you'll stay with this and your teaching career. And I'm I'm happy for things that the way things are working out for you thank you and i want to thank all of you for listening to this episode this has just been a real joy and i have learned a few things i mean i know mr harris fairly well but i've learned quite a bit and that's what it's all about so thank you all for listening thank you for your support and until next time just be a decent human being bye bye